Well, we're studying through the Gospel of Mark, and we've come to uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. We read that last week, and I talked about the first part of it. I want to talk about the last part, but I want to read all of it again. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through the end of the chapter. And today, man, I've really, really struggled with uh, preparing the message for today. Because I've, I've started in one direction with it, and I thought, no, that's not the way I want to go. And I started in another direction, thought, no, I'm, I'm, then I started in another direction. So if it sounds like I'm going in three or four different directions this morning, I may be. Okay, so Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. We're going to actually see a little bit of a, uh, a paradox today. We'll see something. Jesus went on with his disciples to uh, the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And his disciples answered him and said, well, John, they, some say you're John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say you're one of the prophets. But he asked them, but who do you say that I am? That's the question we kind of focused in on last week. And Peter answered him and said, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the promised one. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. So this is that great uh, confession of faith that Peter made. Now, Matthew gives us a much fuller description of it, but uh, Mark just gives us the kind of the synopsis of it. And then here's where we want to pick up. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man, that is himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And they must have been stunned when he said that. Here, they've just said, uh, Peter said, you're the Christ. We believe you're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus said, all right, that's true. Now, i got to tell you how I'm going how, how to save people. And he said, I have to go to Jerusalem, I have to be rejected, and I have to be killed, and after three days, rise again. And then Peter, and he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And Peter basically said, that this can't be true. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So that's kind of where we stopped really last week. And the idea was this, that here Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? You're the Messiah. Okay, let me explain to you what the Messiah is going to do. I've come not to conquer Rome not to reestablish Israel as the dominant nation. I've come to die. I've come to lay down my life. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be rejected and hated, despised, and put to death, and then rise again on the third day. And Peter, speaking really for all the disciples, said, well, that can't be. That's not the way we figured it out. And by the way, one of our big problems today is that we kind of have our definition of how God ought to work. 
And when he doesn't work the way we think he ought to work, then we want to kind of fuss at him a little bit, scold him. But he says, no, you don't understand. My ways are not your ways. And I do things in a way that may not make sense to you, but they make perfect sense to me. And in time, they will make perfect sense to you. But right now, they may seem kind of strange. And so, uh, the next verse, And he called the crowd to himself with his disciples, and then he said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And what can a man give in return or exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, you won't find a more troubling passage in the Bible than this passage right here. It is harsh. It is heavy. It's like uh, Brother John, when he preached here one Sunday, he said, these are hard sayings. These are hard things that Jesus is saying to us. And this is a little bit of a, what do you call it? Paradox. Two things that are both true, but they seem not to be. How can they both be true? So let me ask you this question. Is salvation free or does salvation cost us everything? <laughs> well, both of those statements really are true. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And just like the song says, we come just as we are. And when people ask the question in the Bible, what do I have to do to be saved? The answer is always the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Yeah, but but what I have to do, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. So, but... But don't I have to keep all the rules? Don't I have to obey all the laws? Don't I have to offer all the sacrifices? What do I have to do? And the answer is that what is needed for your salvation has already been done. Jesus did on the cross all that the old covenant asked of anybody. He made the perfect sacrifice. He offered himself as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He 
did all that needs to be done, and now he provides for us the gift of eternal life as a free gift. So the way a person becomes a Christian is to hear the gospel, understand that as a sinner, he is under the judgment, the condemnation, and the wrath that the law brings. And then to hear that Jesus became a curse for us, that he took the punishment, the condemnation, and the death that our sin deserves, and he rose again. And now, if I receive him, believe in him, put my trust only in him, I can be and will be saved. Now, that's wonderful news. That's the gospel, by the way. But now today... There's a lot of talk about, well, if I'm saved by grace through faith, I guess it doesn't matter how I live. If I've accepted Jesus, then now I can drink alcohol. I can curse. I can be promiscuous. I can misbehave. I can... Stop fellowshipping with other believers. I can just forget about, uh, I don't have to read my Bible. I just, if I don't have to do anything, if it's all been done for me, and I'm a Christian, then I've got the best of both worlds. I can live like the devil and still go to heaven when I die. You think there's something wrong with that? Yeah, there's something sad wrong with that. And Jesus balances this message of the gospel of salvation by grace through faith by explaining to us that if you're going to follow Jesus, it costs something. Yes, it's free to receive the gift of eternal life. But as a Christian... Now, I have become a follower of Jesus. And the slogan that we have here at Bear Creek is that we are a family of Jesus followers. We are a family of people who say we want to follow Jesus. Now, our following Jesus is not what saves us. In fact, our attending church, reading our Bible, none of those things take away our sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, takes away our sin. But as a Christian, we are committed to follow Jesus. And those who say, I have no interest in following Jesus, are basically saying, I have not understood nor truly received the gospel. Because when you are forgiven 
you want to forgive. When you have been received, you want to receive others. When you have been loved, you want to love. And the evidence of having received this is what we express in our life this way. Does that make sense? So, today there's a lot of teaching that makes Christianity seem more about us. It's the way we get what we want. It's the, the idea of, of that if I'll do this and this and this, it's kind of like a, 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 not an investment, but almost, uh, what am I trying to say? We're, well, anyway, I just skip that thought because it's, it's, not, it's not working for me right now. <clears throat> but the idea is that if I want God's blessings... I do these four things or five things, and that obligates God to bless me. And so the focus of that kind of thinking is not about God at all. It's about me. It's about me using God to get for me what I want. And that is not the gospel at all. That's not what Jesus teaches. But here in this particular passage, he is saying that there is a cost. It costs to be a Christian. It is free to receive the gift of eternal life. But it costs to follow Jesus. And Jesus... Jesus said in this passage, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And did you know that all of life is about exchange? It's all about exchange. We, if, if there's something out here that is important to me, I ask, what does it cost? How do I get that? And uh, if I want to be a, an Olympic diver, I can't just watch people dive on television and think, I want to do that. I want to win the gold medal. And somebody would say, well, well, let me tell you what it's going to cost for you to do that. You have to spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months and even years in order to achieve that. And did you know that in the Christian life, Jesus is saying, if a man is going to enjoy me, come after me, be close to me, enjoy the benefits of knowing me, then there's something that you give in exchange. And you know this is true in all of our, all of our life? Say a man says, you know, I want to be a great husband. I want to be the kind of husband that, uh, that, that can really be... Uh, honored and respected by his wife. Well, then there's a cost for that. You can't be lazy and selfish and demanding and harsh and cruel and expect to get the benefit that you want. Does that make sense? If a 
If a man says, you know, I want to be the kind, I want, I want my children to respect me and honor me and love to be around me, then there's a cost for that. You can't be a harsh father, a selfish father, a legalistic demanding father, a punitive father, and expect your children to delight in you. A woman says, you know, I want my children to rise up and call me blessed. That's a great goal. Well, the Bible says that that can happen. But it doesn't happen just because you're the mother. It happens because as a mother, you have done the kind of things, the servant things, the unselfish things, the loving things, the forgiving things. And then if you do those things, the Bible says, then your children rise up call you blessed so you see the point is that everything that we look at and say this is what I would like okay I want to come after Jesus I want to be a follower of Jesus and Jesus said that's great that's what I want too but if you will come after me you've got to Deny yourself. You can't be selfish. You can't, you can't have self-righteousness. You can't have self-demands. You've got to deny yourself. And you've got to take up your cross. Now today, we wear crosses around our neck. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I had a little lapel pin one time that uh, was a cross. There's nothing wrong with with the cross being jewelry. But in the time that Jesus lived, when he said, take up your cross, they knew he didn't mean go down to Lifeway and buy you a necklace or a lapel pin that has a cross on it. They said, a cross? Man, that's a horrible instrument of suffering and death. And Jesus said, that's true. If you're going to come after me, then you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. In other words, it's going to be costly. And I'm telling you, right today, if you speak for Christ, if you live for Christ, If you are a follower of Jesus, there will be some, not all, but there will be some who will stand against you and oppose you. And some, in some parts of the world, will actually persecute you. And in some parts of the world, will actually execute you for being a Christian. It's hard for us to identify with that because it's not very costly for us in America, at this time anyway, to be a follower of Jesus. More than it was 
30 years ago, 50 years ago for sure, but still not very costly. But we cannot live a life of disobedience and expect to have the benefits of closeness to Jesus and the blessings of God. It does not work that way. So what do we do as a Christian? Well, we obey the commandments of God. Obedience is an important factor. Today, obedience is almost kind of pushed aside. It's like, well, no, no, if you talk about obedience, then you're not making it about grace. They're not in contradiction to one another. They actually work hand in hand. I cannot work my soul to save That work my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for the love of God's dear Son. That's the way the gospel works. Is that we do not earn God's favor by obedience. But we cannot receive God's favor and refuse to want to be obedient. So, what does it mean to be obedient? Listen to this passage in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And by the way, all through the New Testament, I just this week I was going through the New Testament, finding places where it talks about obeying the commandments, doing the will of God, being obedient to God. And I was amazed at how many, even the Sermon on the Mount, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about the wise man that built on the rock and the foolish man built on the sand. And he said, the wise man that builds on the rock and his house stands is the one who hears my word and what? And does them, obeys them. The foolish man hears the words, but he doesn't do them. And so it's important. Obedience is important. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. And by this we may know that we are in him. And whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Take your New Testament this week. Read the Gospel of John especially, 1 John also, and even the letters of Paul. You'll notice that all the letters of Paul, or almost all of them, are divided into two sections. The first section is doctrinal. It talks about who we are in Christ. It talks about the power of the cross to to, uh, overcome sin and death. It talks about uh, him being the head and our being the body of Christ as the church. All great doctrine. 
But then about halfway through the each letter, he says, therefore, therefore, and then the rest of the letter is pretty much instruction on how to live the Christian life. And if we have believed God, if we will come after Jesus, if we say, Jesus, I believe you love me and died for me, I trust you, and I want to come after you, then he says, then, if that's true, you do what I tell you to do. You obey what I tell you. And don't claim that you are a follower of Jesus if you're out here living just like the world and living just like those who have no interest in me at all. So it's not legalism. It's sowing and reaping. That's what it is. Obedience to God results in benefits and blessings in our life. Disobedience results in consequences. And if you read the Bible and you say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to be kind. I'm not going, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, one possibility is you're not really saved. But even if you are saved and you have that kind of an attitude, one thing is for certain, you will not receive the benefits and the blessings of the Lord. And, in fact, you will receive consequences that you do not want to receive. So, salvation is free. But salvation costs everything. Both of those things are true. We receive it by grace, through faith, in Christ, for His glory only. But as I have received it, my life now is to show a distinct difference. And the things that I once did, I stopped doing. The things that I didn't do, I start doing if I, if, if I wasn't doing things that were right. And I would say that for each one of us, here's the question. Do I really want to come after Jesus? Do I want to draw near to him? Do I want to really be a follower of Christ? And if the answer is yes, then the next statement is, then say no to yourself. You don't do what you want to do. You do what he wants you to do. And you take up your cross. You be willing to suffer, even die if necessary. And you follow. You follow Jesus. And what is his commandment? His commandment is that we are to love God and to love one another. And if you're not doing those two things, then you're certainly not a follower of Jesus. So the call today, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, would you come after him and be 
a follower of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word that both comforts us and challenges us. Your word that tells us that we can rest in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us, gave himself for us, and offers to us the gift of eternal life through faith alone. But your word also challenges us to know that as a Christian, we now are new people. We have new desires. We have a new heart. We have a new calling. And that that calling is to demonstrate itself in obedience, service, and love. And I pray for those who have not received the gift of eternal life. Today, they will welcome and receive Jesus. And for those of us who have been Christians for some time, help us never relax in our desire and our determination to be followers of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.